Yo, yo, yo. It's the Game Time Show, bro. I'm Keith. I'm Kevin. And I'm Ryan. And Ryan's on a delay because he is on Skype. And we'll be your bros for the evening. We have Robo Ryan today. We do. We do. That's pretty much the only time I get Ryan, though, is Robo Ryan. He, uh... Robo Ryan? Robo Ryan, yeah. He, uh, he and I play Destiny, and that's pretty much the only time we bond. And I know Ryan from your Destiny plays, but, uh... I've never actually got to be on a pod with him. And this is nice. It's just the three of us. We're all having a good time. Yeah, it's you, me, and a computer. Yeah. I think it's going to be rather intimate and enjoyable. God, you're just, you're reminding me so much of Peter Dinklage and Destiny. <laughs> just the emotionless, intimate, and enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. And I don't mean to, uh, you know, foreshadow well, yeah. what we'll talk about later in the pod, but it was just an apt comparison. But Keith, I, I I've heard rumors that uh, Bungie is is, you know, they very often replace character voice actors. So I'm hoping that for year three they might go with me. Just me. <laughs> is this your uh, your, your official audition right yeah. now? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's give us least, a line read. It's at least a warm up. Uh, give us that light. wizard came from the moon. Yeah. That wizard came from the moon. <laughs> it's already better well, than Diggle Pretty good. How <laughs> about light. how about uh, we've woken the hive. We woke in the hive. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love it. I don't know how big the update will have to be to get you into the game because the last update yesterday took was seventeen gigs. So uh, if Destiny was on PC, then you could just mod him in there. Ooh, huh, huh. <laughs> for like in like a weekend. Yeah, can we get Destiny on PC just so we can get Ryan into it as Dinklebot? All right, so we have Dinklebot. Noel Android, Ryan, what would your nickname be? Robo Ryan. Robo yeah. I mean sure. clearly Robo Ryan. Or Rybot. That's why we got into this conversation. Rybot. Rybot. <laughs> obviously. Okay. We got Rybot. Rybot. Um I I we will get back to this. We can't fall down this this hole. Yeah, alright, alright. Uh but one other thing I wanted to say before we get into talking about actual like video game discussions. Uh I had a a very like meaningful life experience today oh. that was quickly taken from my fingers. Uh, I decided that I was really sick of what everyone posted on Facebook and that I was going to delete my account. Whoa. So I did. Whoa. <laughs> and then I realized, Kevin, that I needed it to contact you <laughs> about this podcast today and I just react <laughs> so i'm back on facebook dude i'm sorry I'll, I'll give you i'll give you my number i have a i have a new phone i i was holding on to an old phone for maybe four years mm-hmm. that was completely terrible and now i have a new phone and that can send and receive text messages unlike my old one all right this so, this will make deleting my facebook easier yeah keith i say go for it i deleted my facebook for a year well I didn't delete it because I thought I would be back. What I did was I made my girlfriend change the password to something I didn't know, uh, which is effectively the same thing. Yeah, um, nice. And the the interesting thing was the only thing I missed, there were two things. One was contacting people, right? Yeah. And the second was uh, events. People would yes. like send me invites to things, and I'd miss them. So I just found apps on the App Store that did those two individual things, and then I had my girlfriend sign into those. And that was 100% of my need for Facebook. 
But oh, now, so these are I'm, apps that use Facebook and just say like, these are your correct. Facebook messages. These are your Facebook yep. events. Ooh. Okay, so when so you never have to log into Facebook and thus never have to scroll through the timeline or whatever. Correct. Correct. I like that. Ooh, that's a yep. good. That's a good option. Yeah, because right. I I use it because like I have a D and D group that meets every week and like we organize through Facebook. Uh, my Project Maiden Facebook group is fairly active, so I like to stay on top of that. So I have uses for Facebook, but I don't enjoy it. Thus, I'm not really at risk for getting addicted. I don't think. Uh, yeah, that's that's my experience as well. Actually, I'm back on it for the sake of pimping myself out, basically. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I so the problem is, is I don't like Facebook at all. I get nothing from it, but I still, out of habit, sign into it all the time, and I'm just like, what was I expecting to see? Like, <laughs> like there's just more people afraid that they're gonna lose their rights, whether it be like gun rights or abortions or just like all the things that like I guess are important, but I just I can't I can't get myself to care about, you know, like. Like so, those neither of those rights are ever being taken away. Like they're not. So Keith, I don't want to go any know, farther into this, but I just I think we're safe. I, I agree, we're safe. I also think that in a world where we spend more time indoors, we need another place to stick our bumper stickers, Ooh. and that's basically Facebook. That is wow. I really, I really enjoy that sentence a lot. <laughs> that's good. That's um, good. When I'm like working and I I feel like like I'm going to distract myself by either going on social media or uh, going to Wikipedia and hitting random a lot, which I do, I do that a lot. But uh, when I want to when I want to focus, I have my little Wi-Fi router right next to my desk, so I just rip it out of the wall and throw it on my bed when I really <laughs> want to focus. And that like mechanical action of actually ripping something out of the wall and throwing it away really helps me to focus. That's and a- I. I like that one. I like that sentence. That, that's oh. smart. Uh, what I do is I turn my phone onto airplane mode when I'm at work. Nice. Because uh, work is really where I... So at work, everything's blocked, but not on my phone. Uh. So I use my phone way too much when work is slow, and work has been slow the last week or so. Uh, so it's been rough. Uh, and that kind of prompted me to be like, I need to delete my Facebook because I go on this and I don't want any, I don't get anything from it. If anything, I get mad. Not that I don't get mad at other things, but uh, I just I'm just I'm a I'm just a robot. I'm a zombie robot that just does the same thing every day. Oh, uh, speaking of accounting work. Oh, jeez. I'm yeah. doing my budget for my Kickstarter. Oh, wow. And I'm, I'm learning Google Sheets because I've never had to like use a spreadsheet for basically anything. Okay. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm a programmer. I can figure this out. And so I'm learning little things and tricks in Google Sheets, like making one number apply to a number on a different sheet. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like crack. Don't you love Excel? <laughs> I do love it so much. I... <laughs> I, I am obsessed with Excel. Ryan, uh, I think you remember in Lake Tahoe when you kept having Excel questions for me. That was very fun. Well, and I got into it too. You actually, for the first time, showed me the point of Excel. The weird thing about Excel is it's this amazing thing wrapped in poop. Like it's, <laughs> it's an amazing experience, but you have to get through this layer of user experience that makes me want to shoot myself like it's a terrible experience until you know how to get around it all like when you were telling me stuff Keith I was like this is incredible but it was hidden within three menus it was so strange to me that it um it isn't like 
press this to start writing an expression. At least it didn't feel that way. It felt like I had to like go into this tab and then hit this and all we in most people I know who are into Excel they use it for all the expression the the scripting stuff. Yeah, I mean that yeah, I mean, we could go on Yo, for days. Well, welcome to so. Spreadsheet, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, is, this I, not, is this not a start a, a, a podcast about um, Excel spreadsheets? No, <laughs> no I okay. wish. We could rock that, though. No, I, I have plenty of video game-related <laughs> Excel sheets. I'm, I'm just saying, like, somewhere in, like, the RPG nerd and video game programmer aspect of myself is, like, the soul of an accountant waiting to burst free. Yeah. I both love and fear that. Yeah. It, uh, this is... This is your your connection to Keith. You are you are both the 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 secretly numbers nutty gaming heads because Keith's fucking spreadsheets, man. You're, oh. you're saying the amount of your spreadsheets blow my mind. I've got some awesome Halo spreadsheets for sure. Um, uh, I I I have a very does does Kevin know of these? I I don't know. I I don't think I've shown him. So. Kevin. Yes. Keith basically tracks all the data for all their play, like many, 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 many hundreds, if not thousands of rounds of Halo have been tracked to the T manually, and all the players are ranked and compared uh, across statistics. Well, no, what I also have is that also, like, I have a drop down box where I can go to every player. And then, then all, you'll see all of his stats. You'll see like a graph showing like his kills to deaths and comparing him to other people. And it's just, it's just, it's mind. It's weird. I don't know why I do it. So I just love at, Excel. At some point, Microsoft invested what I would estimate is five to ten million dollars to develop Halo Waypoint, not knowing that it had been built by Keith in Excel. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a pretty apt comparison, um, but yeah, like I literally could talk about Excel for for days. It's like we, we might have to make a side podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll do an Excel cast. We've one we've already <laughs> lost all of our five listeners. Yeah. So why don't we actually talk about video games? Yes, please. Uh, Kevin, what have you been playing? Um, so I've been playing Super Nintendo games, which it, which Ooh. is not super weird for me, but I I recently sort of got back into them um and i was like oh i'm gonna play Mega Man and Mega Man x2 and Mega Man x whatever and i started playing them and like two years ago when i was making project maiden and drawing all my inspiration from Mega Man, those games were really fun they were the they're the fucking best and now i'm like i'm bored <laughs> Really? And and I loaded up Secret of Mana and like Final Fantasy VI and I'm like, these games are amazing. And I hated those games two years ago. But now I'm working on an RPG. So I wanna I wanna dive into that, because that's interesting to me. Because I also find that my my desire, like what I'm wanting out of a game change. Mm. And do you think for you the interest level you had with Mega Man going into building a game, it was just so high that now you're just like, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. I gotta need something different. Well, I think my I think it shows one, like my my inner narcissism, definitely. And <laughs> two, it shows like my interest for a game is proportional to the ideas I think I can steal from that game. <laughs> like, I'm into that. Because, like, Mega Man, uh, you know, was, like, a, a huge inspiration for me when I was making uh, a, a platformer um, and trying to get it elegant and, and uh, you know, refined and stuff like that. But 
now and like I hated RPGs because I wanted uh, Project Maiden to be the farthest away from an RPG possible. No leveling up, no like item comparisons or anything like that. Just like really straightforward uh, UI-less video game. Basically UI-less. There's UI, but there's not a lot. And this next game is like all RPG elements and all UI. And suddenly I'm like, oh. Uh, Secret of Mana is a hidden gem, and uh, Final Fantasy VI is way better than Final Fantasy VII, but I'm playing through both. So, um, humor me. Mm. Just give me a little bit on your game, because I've seen it, but I don't know a ton. Yeah, I don't really know a ton either, which isn't a pro- probably is not a great statement if you're trying to like kickstart an RPG, but I, I want a lot of it to be about discovery for both me and the player so here's the idea is it it's like it's a dungeon crawler right uh have you played like diablo or um... ryan has oh yes sir i'm a fan well actually you, you know destiny is kind of inspired by okay. very similar you've piqued my interest with with loot drops and uh and uh, uh classes and that sort of thing so uh basically it's it's that dungeon crawling formula um but with added difficulty and complexity. So, like, picture your destiny. Does, does Destiny have, like, character trees or something like that? Like, is there a path yeah. you can take your... Yeah, yeah, I or, mean... Or builds, like, you swap out your gear and weapons and stuff. Oh, like yeah, that. and then every every piece of armor and every weapon has, like, decisions you can make on, like, what perks you want to... And they're going further down that path, right? S- yeah. So, picture Destiny... Okay. Um, but you level up really, really, really fast. But when you die once, you're dead forever and your character's deleted. Like a MOBA? <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Kind of like a single-player MOBA. Like Interesting. Where, where, um, so this is called, this is like the origin of the roguelike genre. This is, this is what rogue was. It's, uh, RPG that, uh, isn't about grinding. It's about... Uh, sort of collecting the gear you need to live in each level and living like every move is your last because it could be. So there are lots of things that could kill you. Uh, the penalty for death gets steeper the more you go because that's more time you've wasted. But you're always charging towards this one goal. And this is inspired by a game's uh, like NetHack, which was uh, sort of a graphicless RPG that managed to be more beautiful than like most RPGs with graphics. Like, so it's, if you picture, like, a text field, like, an at sign represents your character and stuff. I'm not doing that, mm. but, like, I'm doing, like, really abstract so, symbols. So, right now, all I'm picturing is, like, the way people drew the, like, cover art of games. Yes. On game facts. Yep. With, like, at signs and, totally. like, slashes and no, stuff like that. that. That comes from, uh, like, the really old school days ASCII of, art. Yeah, ASCII art. That comes from the really old school days of, like jpegs don't exist so but text does um and and like yeah so i'm not it's not it's not really super text like based it's got little symbols i'm trying to like basically do an rpg that has layers and layers of complexity but is uh very simple to learn and understand so like uh let's say like a health potion 50% 50% of the time, it's red. But the other 50% of the time, it's any color of the rainbow. So you pick up a red potion, and you're like, I know I have a 50% shot of this being a health potion, because I've played this game before, and I know that it's a 50% shot on red that I can heal. And 
a 50% shot, it's something else. Maybe something better, maybe something worse. So it's about learning those small little details, or it's like, I know there are enemies hiding in these, uh, in these weeds, but if I use the fire spell, then that burns the weeds down, and I can see them. So it's about these little tiny interactions that all build up into one big thing. And the reason you can make so many of them is because your graphics are very simple, and mine are. So, like, that... I realize I'm going off on a huge ramble about this game, and I'll have my Kickstarter pitch together and, and shit. But right now, it's... it's <laughs> no, I mean, the one... The, the good thing here... Well, first of all, it sounds very interesting. Thank you. So, um... But I think, you know, Keith starting Game Time Bro and myself, like, all I've done is, you know, s- try to do my own thing as well. Mm. I think it's kind of a safe environment. We both get, like, pitches evolve and they develop. And, you know, one of the hardest things is just to have the balls to just start the ramble. Oh, yeah. Even though you're like, you're like, I'm not sure they're getting it. I think they are. And the, ra- the ramble's uh, how you figure stuff out, too. So, like, I'm, I'm comfortable doing the ramble. I'm just apologizing to you guys. <laughs> Yeah. No, it sounds awesome. Yeah, I find the ramble interesting, to be yeah. honest. Like, because you can kind of see where your head's at, yeah. you know, versus something very polished that you've practiced mm. hundreds of times before, or something like. I that. I think there's something to that, Keith. But, this idea that right. you know, letting your brain flow. But that's like half of the game. What I just described is the the part of the game you actually play, and what oh, I know what I what I really like about RPGs. Uh, in general, is I tend to play them when I'm not playing them. Like, I tend to think of class or... Like, how many times at work has your mind wandered thinking about weapon and equipment uh, matchups? Like, you're just working and your mind wanders and you're thinking about, oh, this new weapon could completely change my build. Keith texts me all the time about this very thing. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I I mean, I have an Excel spreadsheet with all kinds exactly. of things helping me think through this. And I love... Uh, I love doing that, and I love a game that I can just sort of obsess over. And that comes from, like, me in middle school really wanting to play Dungeons & Dragons, but having no one to play Dungeons & Dragons with. So (laughs) I would just, like, make characters. It's like, this one's a gnome ranger named the Gnome Ranger. Ooh, I like it. And and just, like, you know, thinking about stuff and thinking about combinations and then, like, being excited about all the theory and then going home and doing the practice. Yeah. Man, I, uh, I, uh, Ryan, I know you haven't seen this game, yeah, but this game has intrigued me from the first time I saw it. It's got, oh. well, it's gotten sort of a different, uh, aesthetic, I think, maybe, since the last time we've seen it. Have you seen, like, the new, like, glitch aesthetic I'm going with? I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so, uh, I make it, I made it look like it's a, it's being played on an old school broken CRT monitor, like, from, from the, like, early 90s. I'm into this. Yep, <laughs> I'd love to see screenshots. Uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, like if you go to my if you go to my uh, Twitter feed at Real Kevin Cole plug, uh, you can I have see the internet. I can do this. <laughs> uh, oh, we're talking about at signs again. This is awesome. I, I think I maybe like posted some screenshots of that a while ago, and Twitter does a little side thing that shows all the pictures you posted. But like, you know, scan lines, color blur, RGBs are off. So like, I had to research cathode ray tubes. <laughs> Which are basically these guns that Super fire color. Super relevant these days. Yeah. <laughs> these guns that, like, fire colors at, uh, at a phosphor, and that turns it red, green, or blue. And, like, sometimes they get misaligned with age. So, like, the blue image starts going this way, the red image starts going another, and the green image starts going a third way. And it looks so cool. So, like, there's this meta-narrative going on with this game where you 
as the player of this game, are a character who has discovered this ancient game from the 80s and are playing it on an old TV, possibly in your uncle's house. Like, there's this sort of, like... Uh, yeah, it's a meta-narrative. Wow. That is awesome. I'm it. very it's overwhelmed. It's interesting looking. Hmm? Ryan? Yeah, I found the image. I dig it. It's interesting looking. Yeah. I, you know, it's 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 one of those things where uh, I I don't know what's going on. There's if a, had, there's a turbo glitchy one and there's a slightly less glitchy one. Yeah, no, I saw the one and you wrote, it's a cautionary tale. Yeah. <laughs> as a, as a uh, designer, I totally get this. Uh, <laughs> Um, but the the less glitchy one, I think it looks awesome. Mm. It's definitely an interesting enough aesthetic that I think you can grab attention just based on that, right? Yeah. And that's a big part of the hook, I imagine. And there's so many design problems to solve via readability and uh, just having someone understand something in an instant. And those are things I have to learn and things I deliberately put off learning when I was making my last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You know, I'm, I'm, I made all those fonts myself, and I'm like tweaking all of them every day to make oh, them more, fun. to make them more readable. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's it's a big, big uh, learning project because it's completely different from my last game. But I'm so much better at the fundamentals of making games now. That's what, that's something I wanted to ask you though, mm-hmm. like uh, regarding. Um, I remember the last time we had a real discussion about mm. your plan going forward as, you know, a game developer, um, and that you all you knew for sure is that you wanted to do it again because you felt like you were such a better yeah. game developer now than you were when you started. It's true. <laughs> what is the biggest thing you learned with Project Maiden that you're applying to this currently unnamed project? I'm calling it Hack. For, for now. Okay, um, hack. Hack, with a Q-U-E. Uh, that's probably not going to be the main name, the official name, but, you know, Project Maiden wasn't going to be the official name of Project Maiden. And that's how that turned out. All right, out. so it's hack forever. It's hack forever. Um, so what, basically what I learned uh, in Project Maiden was I had, when I started, I had the programming mindset. You know, it's like test, iterate, test, iterate, like... If you run into a problem, something glitches, uh, work backwards, figure it out. Just like get into the Zen mode where you can sort of divorce yourself from frustration and figure out what the problem is. And that's a great starting point. Um, but what I have now is like the uh, ability to, well, one program when I don't want to. Uh, that, so when I went to uh, school for writing and rhetoric, uh, I learned how to write when I didn't want to write. Um, which is a huge skill. Like, Absolutely. It's, it's the most important skill for a writer is to write when you don't want to write. Um, and the most important skill, I think, for a programmer, number like number zero before one, is program when you don't want to program. Um, I learned a lot about uh, basically scope. Like, I think Project Maiden was, was the most punishing lesson in scope I've ever learned. <laughs> like, it got huge and it got unruly and... Uh, it's a beautiful game, but all that art, like every pixel of it, took so much time and so much care because I wanted it to be. I wanted it. I wanted everything to be uh, homemade and have this uh, have this idea that each each thing was placed in a very specific way, and that took a lot of time. Um, and I've limited my screen size to a much smaller resolution. Um, I've I've limited like. Uh, all the all the sprites in the game are 12 by 12, which is much more manageable. Yeah. Um, 
so I learned a bunch of art lessons. I learned a bunch of, uh, I, 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 I learned, uh, basically how to, um, how to resuscitate a game that that's gone off the rails. Cause before when I was starting like game projects or whatever, when I didn't know anything, it'd be like, well, I've made enough bad code that the whole project is completely sunk now. I can't, I can't do another thing in it. It's completely broken. I have to abandon it. And that was the way it was for like, you know, three years. Like I, I wasn't good enough at programming to save a bad project, but now I know, but now I know like how to compartmentalize stuff. And uh, what is it? I, I'm a bit better with modular design and I'm learning stuff about efficiency, but efficiency is the hardest thing to learn. Which is just making stuff run good on bad computers. <laughs> so, so, here's an interesting thing. All that, Kevin, mm -hmm. is basically what I've learned running a software startup. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's it's not a game, um, but the sim the same things still apply. Mm. When we started our company, uh, the project was huge in scope. Mm. And uh, we achieved it, but I would say we achieved it well, not amazing, right? Yeah, I and I, I, I compare Project Maiden to like my—it's like my first album. Like, sure, you can kind of understand like what this artist is shooting for, and you see like you know there's a overabundance of of enthusiasm and a, a bit of a deficit of skill. Yeah, I mean the the, but. The uh, the goal with the project, right, is just like learn how you messed up, right? Mm. Learn how you messed up and don't do it the next time. Yeah, we actually just uh, decided on our end to really rework and, and pivot the software that we're creating to something much more simple. Cool. And a lot of the reason is a lot what you're getting at. You're just like, man, if I just got rid of this, this, and this, mm -hmm. I would have ten times the amount of time to focus on this. Which would mean that I could make this part of it, the part that people like, hopefully, ten times better. You know, because it's like the more variables. I jokingly said this earlier, right, to you guys that oh, you're just trying to figure out how to increase the amount of variables you have so that it's harder to understand what's yeah. failing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's really the truth about software. You know, the fewer the fewer obstacles that you have to perfect, the more perfect the rest of it's going to be. Mm. So I think that simplifying, like you're talking about. Especially for a one-man project, dude. Like that is tough work. So yeah, so it's pretty. It's real exciting, and I think you're learning a lot of awesome lessons that'll just make you better and better. Yeah, uh, totally. And you know, getting better and and learning more things is something that I always want to be doing. So like, I could turn around and say Project Maiden was good, and I want to make another platformer to show that I'm good at platformers now. But the thing is, like. I kind of don't want to box myself in as the platformer guy. So I thought it was really important for my second project to be something different. Even if it would mean I'd have to learn a whole bunch of new skills again, I was kind of okay with that if it meant like I didn't later have to break out of the box of the guy who only makes platformers. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah, you know. So that's what I've been playing. So you've been playing <laughs> that. <laughs> uh Ryan, hopefully you've been playing something. Snake! Snake! No, it's not Snake. Um, I've been playing Metal Gear Solid Five, yeah. and I fucking love it. Dude, I have so many questions. Yeah, I um, before you just start gushing, I've listened to, I don't know, four podcasts where all they do is fucking gush about this game. <laughs> like the entire time. 
But uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to do the same. So I think that the best way, I got a few things to say, but I definitely want it mainly to be questions Mm -hmm. um, because I literally can just ramble. I could probably ramble for an hour and a half straight, (laughs) but I just want to say this. So you took my one of my favorite game series of all time, and then you added Pokemon to it, which (laughs) is evil. It's really evil because now I'm just like, I can't, I don't know how they did it, but they managed to make it easy enough to level up. Okay, maybe it's like this. You start out weak, but you literally have 10,000 things you can get better at. And they're revealed to you slowly. So I still have no idea what half of the things on Mother Base do. But I just know that if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'll learn more things and I'll increase the various numbers attached to me. And I somehow, even though I know it's stupid, even though I don't understand what the point is, even though I don't even want to play the multiplayer, I just want my numbers to go up. And the only thing I can compare it to is when I play Pokemon. Because there's no justification for why I like Pokemon. It's a rather boring RPG. But somehow, I'm just like, man, my Charizard needs to be level 48 by tomorrow. And there's nothing else I can do but think about how I need to do that. And, yeah, I'm pretty addicted to it right now. Luckily, work has been so busy uh, that I, I haven't been able to fully allow myself to be addicted. But I am thinking about it on a daily basis for sure. I've probably played about 15 hours, I would guess, over the last week. All right, so you've played 15 hours, which seems very low compared to a lot of people I've heard talk about it. Yeah. Uh, what percentage? More. What's your percentage? I don't know. Uh, I am in Africa. I've done a handful of missions in Africa. I, honestly, though, it's one of those games where there's just stuff to do, and it's all satisfying. So I just sit down without any idea of what I'm going to do, and I just run around, and I just start missions. Like there's no, as far, I I don't even know where the percentage is. I'm sure I can find it, Um, but they just keep giving me more missions to do, so I do them. I know that I'm like level 22 on most of my skills, and I have half of Mother Base that I could possibly build out. So you can just keep building out Mother Base, and I think I'm half the way there, something like that, maybe maybe 60% of the way there. Um, I found Quiet, who sucks. Very disappointing. <laughs> wow. Uh, did you get that, the Did you get the dog or the horse? I have the dog. Uh, you start with the horse. Um, you start you with the, the horse. Yeah, you start with the horse, and the horse is probably the best so far. Uh, oh, okay. So, okay, you start with the horse, then you find the dog, and the dog has to grow up. A lot of the progress in the game is like you just do a bunch of random shit, then you go back to Mother Base and and things evolve. Like you take things to Mother Base, and then when you return to Mother Base, maybe they level up or the dog gets bigger. Uh, and over time, I imagine it's attached to the amount of times you visit Mother Base, uh, okay. the dog becomes available, right? So it's good um, to leave, come back, leave, come back, leave, come back. Yeah, more or less, but it, it doesn't feel like a chore. Like okay. honestly. This game manages to be mostly just tedious crap. Like, seriously, it's like, go here, kill somebody. But somehow it's just fun. Well, like, it, it, it's really fun to play. Much more fun than any other Metal Gear Solid that I've, you know, that I recall. Well, like, I think if, if, uh, if Metal Gear had a problem uh, in, in its past iterations, it's that 
the uptime was sneaking around, shooting guys, running because you got discovered, and like making shit explode. And the downtime was watching a cutscene where Snake sneaks around, gets discovered, makes shit explode. (laughs) So, like, it didn't have a good ebb and flow of action. It was just like, here's some action that you get to do. And here's either a really boring cutscene or a really exciting cutscene that doesn't give you any of the ebb to your flow. Mm. And I feel like... I feel like what the mother base does, I haven't played it yet, but I feel like what you're describing to me is the mother base thing kind of solves that problem by being like, go do an exciting mission, go shoot dudes and run around and, and be creative and solve a problem. And then it's like, okay, now go home and think about how you could solve problems better. Yeah. So, so it's kind of two games the way I see it, Mm. right? The mother base and the leveling up is Pokemon. Like it's straight up Pokemon. And you have a pokey base. Literally, you show up at Mother Base and you're like growing crops and shit. And there's a zoo. There's yes. a fucking zoo yes. at Mother Base. Why is there a zoo? Okay, because so th- you can lift up the animals. You go and you just like parachute them into the sky. It's amazing. It's addictive as Fulton-ing hell. Or yeah, Fulton. Which apparently is a real technology. Yep. Uh, didn't know that. Well, didn't um, they, they did it to like Batman in one of the Batman movies. And yeah, because that's that's real shit. life. Yeah. that is. Real all right, life. I live in Gotham in my mind. All right. <laughs> it's real. It's real Please to in- me, Ryan. Please um, invite me. Okay, so, so, so the other part of the game mm. is the best version of Metal Gear possible, and the I shooty, also believe sneaky part? this is a controversial statement. I would imagine. I believe it to be the best open world game of all time, and wow. the reason you've only played for that, it fifteen hours, bro. I'm I'm going big here. Did, all right, so do you the think reason, the people who make The Witcher should be nervous? The Witcher is The Witcher is the best version of Assassin's Creed ever. Assassin's Creed <laughs> ever. It's not the best open world game ever. Okay. Um, okay. So the reason I believe that it's the best open world game ever is that every single open world game I've ever played, they always hook me. I always buy the new Grand Theft Auto. I always get excited for Assassin's Creed. I always get excited for anything open world because this idea of transporting to a, to a new place is so captivating, right? Mm-hmm. But, I, but I feel like the narrative of the story that you're playing, which you really want, that the narrative is detached from the open world. So in Grand Theft Auto, as an example, since that's the, you know, the most popular uh, and really the one that defined and started the genre with Grand Theft Auto 3, mm-hmm. uh, you play the missions to unlock the guns to be able to use the guns in the environment. Right. But that is such a detachment from the narrative. So you don't... You, you just want to become the most badass gangster just so you can have fun in the open world. And I feel like, to various degrees, every single open world game falls into this, this problem, for me personally. And for the first time ever, when I play Metal Gear Solid, the story is the open world in this weird way. I don't even really know how to eloquently describe it, Mm -hmm. but I know that when I play the open world, I feel like I'm progressing the story, even when I'm not. And that is a totally unique experience for me. So I'm not like... A th- I'm I'm neutral on open world games. Like I'll I'll play the good ones. I mean, Just Cause is great. Ooh, um, Just Cause is fantastic. Ju- Just Cause is just a fantastic game all around. Um, but I what turns me off from a lot of open world games, and maybe not like the big like well known open world games, but open world games in general is 
things can feel a little samey from place to place. Like the Oblivion mm. problem where you're like, I've seen that same ugly character before, or I've seen that same character model before. Or like, everything is vast and wide, but some open world games struggle to make things feel special. And I feel Kojima comes in here with his amazing attention to detail and makes everything feel important. Like, just because he puts in those small touches, like, uh, I think your team, if you put in your birthday, right, and you're in, in Metal Gear 5, and your team remembers your birthday and celebrates it with you. Yeah, I, I think you might be spot on here. And specifically, be, I think that the attention to detail here is probably the artificial intelligence, like the, oh, yeah. the, the intelligence of the bad guys. I wouldn't be surprised if every single character model was the same. I know it's not, but I would not care at all because they all move uniquely. Oh, that's cool. The world, I never feel like, oh, hey, he's going to stand over there. He's going to stand over there. Everything's moving. So, like, I'll try to set up a... I'll try to get a bunch of characters together by, let's say, bombing... I'll I'll shoot a rocket launcher at something, right? Yeah. And the idea here is I'm going to get all these 20 spread out people to come to one location. Mm -hmm. And that'll work. And then one guy will leave and like get in a truck, and I and, and he just fucks my whole plan. <laughs> and this happens nonstop, where I constantly feel like I I can't outsmart the game, so I have to really be in it, and I have to just change my technique every time. Now, don't get me wrong; mm. it is sneak around, don't get seen, kill some stuff. That it's still the same old, same old. Right. But it it does feel genuinely like a unique experience every time you do the same thing. And I've never had that before. Like, think about Destiny, Keith, right? Yeah. I, I, I love Destiny. <laughs> there <already> Destiny. was. <laughs> I love Destiny, just like Keith. We play all the time. But the goal in Destiny is to literally learn how to cheat your way to success, right? It, it's so, it, it's the same thing often, and if not all the time. And it's still awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But what's happening in Metal Gear Solid Five is the reverse. It's different every time. And that creates a really unique experience and one that even though it's almost as if I love the fact that it's routine because the routine is unique. So give me the same go grab this mission a million times if every time I show up at the location, it feels like real people. They're leaving, they're moving, they're calling for backup, they're not. Uh, they're listening to music and sleeping. Like it's it's very interesting. It's, it's some complex technology. That's a big part of it. So you have a lot of takes on this game, and you've only played fifteen hours. Mm-hmm. You have like a hundred hours left. Are I'm you excited so happy. for those hundred hours? I'm like I'm like frothing at the mouth i I am a (laughs) rabid dog wanting prey uh i i love it so much um and it's been a bit since i had that experience to be honest it it really feels like a unique game um i think this is a type of game that will not only stand up right now but will stand up for a long time well i'll see if i can work it into my kickstarter budget unfortunately i can't (laughs) afford a 60 dollar game right now (laughs) Well, you can just listen to Ryan talk about it. I can. And it's well, like I'm playing it. I can, I can share play with you. If I had the disc and not the hard drive, I'd send it to you. But uh, <laughs> if, ever, if ever you're on... Um, well, he doesn't have... 
he can't even afford the systems you play, Ryan. Oh yeah, PC. I'm a I'm a PC gamer. Now, now you're just making me sad here. I'm sorry. Dude. I hear the PC port's great though. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm definitely gonna get it. It's just literally right now, it's food or Metal Gear Solid, and it's a toss up. But I'm gonna go with food on this one. It sounds like you. Ryan would recommend Metal Gear Solid. I I haven't had a paycheck in two years, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to wait for. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, unfortunately. Well, you know, Ryan will enjoy it, and you will uh, just cry alone while eating your your food, not, your sustenance. Not, not until my so, Kickstarter is a raging success. Okay, I'd love I'd love to uh, tell you that my favorite thing I did so far, though. I know Please. I'm like rambling, but no, the, the, okay, we want to hear the, this. The best part of Metal Gear Solid Five, in my opinion, is that for the it really you die a lot. And and now it and now I actually I force kill myself if I fuck up because I want to restart at a checkpoint and figure out how to do it better. And I've never done that before. I'm not someone who cares about perfecting games. Hmm. But the reason I love it is that it's it's really fun to try all these different techniques because they all really have different outcomes. So probably and there won't be any there's not there won't be any spoilers. Because everyone's seen that he has this little Metal Gear he runs around in. That's been in the trailers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, the bad guys and Snake, they have these little mini uh, Metal Gears. They call them Walker Gears. <laughs> and the first time you see a Walker Gear in the game, you're, you're going after, you're trying to go pick somebody up in a base. So the first time that I'm trying to get through this section, I'm sneaking around, and then I get seen by a Walker Gear, and it just rips me apart. So I was like, I fucking hate this thing. So then all I did was I spent the next 20 minutes trying to figure out how to how to take one out. And then I was so delighted when I found out that if you got behind one, you can actually see the body of the guys riding in it. Mm -hmm. So I put one to sleep and he fell out of the walker gear. And then I ran into the walker gear and I just was able to just start nuking the whole base. And I didn't win. Like I got killed, <laughs> but I took, you weren't supposed to have a walker gear yourself at this point in the game. I stole one and I just wreaked havoc. And the, how I ended up beating that level or that mission was completely by going silent and sneaking around. But the two playthroughs before, I turned it into like Rambo. Mm. And Rambo that's four. Rambo, Rambo four. one, there was only one. Oh kill. yeah. People forget that Rambo One's great, but that's a that's a whole other podcast about this, you know, PTSD. About Rambo and XL. <laughs> Rambo and XL. Um, but yeah, it's just that or that juxtaposition of the two different things that you could really do within that mission sums up why I think it's a really special game. You can really make it whatever you want it to be. Hmm. I thought that game was special because if you're good enough friends with the horse. He will poop on command, and then Jeeps can, like, slip and crash in it. I heard this. I have not become good enough friends yet with the horse, but uh, I'll let you know yeah, when I... Get on that, Ryan. Because <laughs> that poop strat is broke. I would have delayed this podcast until you were able to do that. Come on. Well, I was, tr I was trying out Quiet. I, 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 quiet I tried is quiet. who? What? Quiet is the naked woman who breathes through her skin. All right, that we're not getting into that. We're moving. The, on. I, all right, so Keith definitely does not want to get into quiet, and I'm a little <laughs> nervous to get into quiet because it's three white dudes talking about a scantily clad woman. Oh no! I, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. I'm just saying it's the worst 
partner in the game in terms of what she can do from my perspective. Well, let, let me talk about the worst partner in a game. Oh, there we go. The worst partner in the game is a 14-year-old child when you're playing Destiny. I'm, I'm going to bask <laughs> in that segue for a while. Go ahead, Keith. <laughs> I, so, Kevin, uh... Ryan and I had devised a plan a while ago to bring other people into Destiny. With the the really the only reason is we wanted to experience the raids, which were the the best content in the game, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, fresh off a victory with uh, Ryan, me, uh, his girlfriend, and two friends, uh, I was riding high on Destiny. I was like, that's one of the best experiences of my life. I decided you know what it's tough to get everyone together i'm gonna go on destiny lfg which is a site that just you know pairs you off with people looking to do the same content that you don't know right i end up in a party with let me a 30 year old with a kid in his lap and then four 14 year olds (laughs) um sorry i'm just picturing like uh uh, like a dad bod Destiny character and like f- a bunch of 14 year old Destiny characters in capes with guns. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then Keith. Um, yeah, so, and I had avoided this a long time. I really had because I wanted to play with my friends, but this was the hard raid and I just wanted to be able to say that I've done it. And um, I was so afraid of doing this because. <laughs> I knew how 14-year-olds could be. Mm-hmm. I knew that they were immature, that they always wanted to impress their friends. Keith, you were 14 once. I was, and I was a But dick. you got over it. I got over it. I'm not 14 <laughs> anymore. Um, so it all went pretty smoothly. I beat Crota's End once, which is the second raid. Mm. And, you know... There was only a little bit of name calling, but we did it, and afterwards we were happy. And I was like, you know what? I have three characters. I have another hour to kill. Let's do this again. Hmm. Worst decision of my life. No, you pushed your luck. I um, I stuck with the same team, except one guy had to leave. So this other 14-year-old was, let me bring on my friend. He's really good. And Uh I'm like, great. You know, we can get this done. Someone's really good. Uh We'll be able to do this. Um, This man named Spartan something really liked name calling. Mm. Really liked name calling. Really liked to call you out if you weren't that good at something. Um... And he was so atrocious that he chased the 30-year-old with a baby on his lap uh, because he started name-calling the baby, calling, saying, that stupid fucking baby is making us lose this fucking raid. Oh, my God. And so the 30-year-old was like, look, I don't have time for your bullshit. I'm out of here. So we were five. We needed another. And he's like, let me bring on my friend. And Did you leave? Like, Did you leave then? And Kate? I was like, you know what? I'm too far into this. We're at the no, last boss. No. I'm staying. Uh, and guess who joins the party? Another 14-year-old? Another 14-year-old <laughs> with the name Heil Hitler. <laughs> H-I-T-L-I-R. Somehow that got through whatever, uh, you know... And, but you left then, right? I didn't. I said we were at the last boss. Right? So, Keith, the appropriate reaction to that is to find sound bites from 
South Park the stick of truth from the zombie Nazis and just play it in his ear yeah. nonstop. No, the appropriate re- response to that is nope.gif. Yeah. Um, I'm not proud of sticking to it, but I stuck to it. Um, and he spent the entire time telling us like the, the positives about the Nazi party. And I, and <laughs> wait, wait, you never told me this. Dude. Yes. Like he, the whole time he's just experience. like, he's like comparing the Nazis favorably to our government and, oh, no. um, just saying the N word a lot. And I, um, I finally did mute him, but not before getting in not no fewer than nine verbal arguments. Uh, you can talk about Danielle about how loudly I was yelling at this kid about how uh, immature he was being and that he will really regret this one day when he realized that he's a humongous dick and completely <laughs> clueless when it came, came to anything. Oh, my God. Um, and it literally is... One of the worst experiences of my life was playing with this kid on Destiny, but I did beat the raid for the second time, and I did get the word of Crota, which has void damage on a primary weapon. Mm. Uh, so I'm calling it a wash. Uh, uh. All right. I'm sure Ryan will agree with me on this one, um, and I, I I invoke this a lot, but users are content. Like... The the player base that plays your game makes your game. Like, mm. I stopped playing Titanfall because um, because like the the people playing it were the Call of Duty crowd who were you know spouting off like horribly racist shit, horribly sexist shit, horribly anti-Semitic shit all the time. And you can mute you can auto mute everyone in Titanfall, which is a godsend. But you can't. Um, you can't. You always have to see the chat stream. You always have to see the chat stream. There's no way to visibly block the chat stream, and that's just that's just as bad. Like, yeah. and it it completely ruined that game for me. And uh, like, it's a completely separate game. Uh, Plant Side Two has you know a, a so-so like gameplay compared to Titanfall, but everyone's fucking silent. And if they do say something, it's usually borderline helpful. Yeah. Do, do you guys know there was a game recently, and I pardon me for forgetting, but basically there was a game recently that announced that they were going to have more or less like a prison island for bad actors in their game. Uh, so they were setting up a separate instance only for people that were downvoted. Was so that you'd League? Just be like, what was that? Was that is that League? Did League of Legends try that or? I don't. It wasn't. It wasn't a big game like that. I'm sure there are already many games, but it was actually. It was a first-person shooter. I'll have to look this up. But I read that and I was like, this needs to happen on every game. Yes. <laughs> like on every game, you have to be able to, because they've done it many times for like rage quitters, right? In fighting games. So if you rage quit on a fighting game, a lot of them just downrank you, and you have to fight other rage quitters. And they need to do this with the first-person shooters because it's fucking intolerable, man. Like, you know, what you're saying, I totally agree with, Kevin. The problem here is that that basic, we're in a world right now where more or less the only successful games, similar to movies, Mm -hmm. are going to be games like you make that take one to ten people to make and Mm. therefore $10,000 to a million dollars to make. Yep. Or $100 million plus games. 
And in in the reality where you want to play these big first-person shooter games, they're going to be the $100 million plus game, period, because of the amount of technology and art that's required. And I'm sure I'll be wrong. I'm sure that there's a few that are going to be just made of mods, etc. And there are examples, but they're few and far between. And it's such a bummer that, you know, we have to, as players, choose to either play non-mainstream games or deal with people like Hal Hitler that Keith had to deal with. <laughs> well, so, so, Ryan, though, like, the beauty of Destiny is that most of the content can be played with three people. And I know enough people where most of the time I'm only playing with friends. You think about the fact that we have been obsessed with this game for the better part of a year, and we're just now playing the raids, and we could have been playing the raids since week two if we were willing to play with these type of people, but we haven't done it because we're afraid of things like this happening. And my first time ever trying it, I get this experience. My, Sorry, you go Oh, no, I was going to kind of talk about the next thing that Keith and I experienced, so go for it, Kevin. Uh, well, this problem is squarely a developer issue. Like, we're never going to change 14-year-olds from being terrible. Like, <laughs> that's a losing battle. Like, if if you own a 14-year-old, do your best, but <laughs> just know they'll, they'll maybe evolve, and if they don't, kill it with fire. But if... <laughs> This is so. This would be so easy to solve with a more customizable user interface. Like, if Titanfall was just like, sure, you can hide chat. Why wouldn't you be able to hide chat? If you listen to the player, if you're a developer and you listen to players when they complain, especially when they're like, this makes me never, ever, ever want to play your game again, they should be like, oh, sorry, let's invent a system to get around that. Like, you could... Uh, you could take out all of the microphone chat in Destiny and just do some presets. Go there, hit Crota with item. Like you can, you can do that and make a system that means you don't have to hear racial slurs, but you can still communicate. And I, th- you know, I think that the interesting thing um, with Destiny in particular is that for the most part, as Keith was pointing out, because they have a lot of content that doesn't require tons of people, it's Mm. very possible to kind of get through. And a lot of the content that you'd play via matchmaking, you can just mute everything and it's fine. Mm. The issue with the raids is that it's purposefully very complex in terms of solving the game's problems. I gotcha. So you really do need verbal communication. But I do wonder, um, I've heard some things about new PlayStation updates allowing for potentially grouping on like a play on like a PSN level meaning uh, you know this name this name this basically take the LFG sites and put them into the actual uh, software for the system hmm. so I know I know that Xbox has rep right Keith like yeah. there's a reputation yeah. score yeah that's, which, which counts why, for shit yeah, why, yeah do but why don't with. we but why don't we use that that like yours uh, Kevin's pointing out the fact that we can um, developers can handle that on a game basis, but I actually feel like that the systems might be able to handle it, um, you know, over overall. Because the person who's Hal Hitler is not just Hal Hitler on Destiny. Motherfucker plays other games and no one likes him. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know how he exists. Like, I think it's really because people realize reputation doesn't do anything, so they don't bother with it. Like, because if they bothered with it, his reputation would be zero. And I think it's because. 
game, the people, the game developers and publishers who are making these games think that Heil Hitler is their audience, you know? When they picture their generic player, they picture a fucking asshole. And it doesn't have to be that way. The the reason why there are so many assholes on these multiplayer games is because the systems the developers put in place enable them. So I I really, truly, honestly believe that there is a way that developers can look at a multiplayer system in a not uh, coulda, but shoulda fashion. Yeah. And without being like a nanny state. Yeah. It's going to take... The, the real problem is that takes pioneers, and pioneers get dysentery. So it's going to be a really unpopular Call of Duty knockoff that's going to try it first and fail, and then someone else is going to do it better. Well, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm not, like, honestly, one of the worst days of my life because I dealt with fucking Heil Hitler. Those people can actually ruin your day, and uh, that's yeah. no fun. That's not why you play video games. No, it's to get away from shit like that. And, you know, uh, I've, I've heard... And, you know, keep in mind, and I'm not trying to, like, turn the conversation this way... It'd be a thousand times worse if you were a woman. <laughs> like, it would be 10,000 million times worse if your voice was just slightly higher pitched. Oh my god, I, could, <laughs> I can't even imagine if I was a woman with that group of kids. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, like, I don't, I, I just can't. And so, I, I, I know we've been on this a while, but now you're on a topic that's actually kind of funny to me. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, my girlfriend Eunice and I have been streaming just anytime we play mm-hmm. on Game Time Bro. And recently yes. we played through Dying Light together. And we decided to, for some reason, the comments we were getting were basically, can I join, was the only comment we were getting. <laughs> so we just started letting people join us. Uh-oh. And the first Uh-oh. time we had someone join, it was a 13-year-old kid in London, and it was an incredible experience. Like oh, for it, real? I told Keith it was like the best experience of the internet, because this kid's like, hey, you guys are way older than me, but I know this game. Can I help you? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, and he just shows us all the secrets in the game. So it was just like very uh, seren- like serendipitous, just fun, <laughs> cool experience. And so, of course, uh, Eunice and I are kind of like high on the idea of just, you know, let everybody join. This could be cool. And the next person that joins, uh, the first question is, is that a girl? Is that your girlfriend? And, and I'm just like, yeah. And I, I could hear him snickering. And I, I, I remember in the back of my head, I was thinking, I can only imagine what the next question would be if I wasn't also, uh, you know, on this conversation. Yep. Because, you know, it, it, and it's something that I don't think about that often. But I do think that that's a, a valuable point, that uh, all the things that a man's going to experience is going to really be shitty, and that is probably much, 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 much worse. You, you just go on Twitch, you see it nonstop. It's Absolutely. pretty gross. And, and again, how do, how do we fix you know, 13 and 14-year-olds? I say we just put them on an island. Like, yeah, are we killing them? Yeah, I'm up for it. Okay, all right. Yeah, you you guys are killing thirteen-year-olds and fourteen-year-olds. Dude, I will. Co- I am just staying away from. I that. will co-sign that island. Yeah, you guys have fun. I'm not killing anyone. I, I'm just here to fan Kevin's fire. The man wants to kill some anti-Semitic thirteen-year-olds, and I'm just like, you do it, man. You do it. I'm just kidding. But off, right. of, but off of like the you know it's a thousand times more terrible for women thing. Um, I, I'm hearing a call in my in my Twitter feed to the end of the word troll, and 
as someone who's an asshole on the internet. Like, I'm hearing I'm hearing that like calling calling someone a troll or saying they're just trolling diminishes what is actually a pretty fucking terrible thing to experience mm. and a pretty aggravating thing. And it also makes it something that is more permissible that you're just trolling. Like it's like kidding or joking, except it's not, it's being a fucking asshole and an idiot. But so I, I, I do think you're right, Kevin, that yeah. the, the, the solution to this more or less is not talking about it. They're 13 and 14 year old people. They're always going to suck. There's probably mathematical solutions to this involved in game design. Hmm. There really is. And it's just, as you pointed out, it's not going to be popular at first. You make a game, you want everyone to play it. If you're isolating yourself from what turns out to be a really uh, dominant audience, which it clearly is if you've ever played an online game, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty difficult pitch to people who are funding the game. Absolutely. And again, players are content. And the idea for putting content in a game, at least at the AAA level, is more is better. So if you're going to have a bunch of assholes, that's worse content, but there's more of it, so it's good content. Mm. Uh, All right. So, yeah. Keith, are there anything that, any other topics that don't involve uh, us killing 13-year-olds? I was going to uh, say, I'm not really comfortable of how far we've gone from <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> like, Destiny is like a warm blanket. I feel comfortable when we're talking about it. Uh, there was a big thing that dropped yesterday, the 2.0 update uh, in preparation for the Taken Hell King yes. coming Hell out next yes. week, which I'm super excited about. But one thing is that they've replaced Dinklebot with Nolan North. Nolan Android, as people are calling it. And surprise, surprise, the internet has flip-flopped on a subject. There are a lot of people saying really? that they much prefer Dinklebot to Null Android. Huh. I, I was surprised when I heard Nolan North's performance. I think it's too happy. I think it's too positive. The, the lifeless performance of Peter Dinklage almost fits a robot better. Well, now you know what happened to the Mass Effect fans uh, <laughs> during Mass Effect 3. It was like, this thing is terrible and bad. And then EA was like, we'll change it. And then they did. And everyone's like, why did you change the You're terrible an and bad thing? <laughs> so, Keith, Eunice and I booted it up at the same time. Yep. And uh, my reaction basically was, I don't care. Like, <laughs> it, it, the, the change didn't matter to me. Yeah. But Eunice was pretty disappointed. I was surprised by how much she disliked the change in voice, actually. Nolan North, you know, he gets a lot of work in the video game scene and in the voice acting scene, and he is a consistent uh, voice actor, and I see why he gets a lot of work, because there are a lot of Nolan North-type characters. I do think you need someone a little more character-oriented to do Dinklebot, if he's, like, the only talking NPC in the game. You kind of want someone slightly more animated, maybe a little wackier, almost? So I think the only problem is that, like, Destiny, like every other game ever, is sort of Mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic. They're trying to... And there's very little story here, so I could be talking out of my ass, but they're sort of trying to rescue, you know, all, you know, the universe is, you know, the galaxy, whatever, from, like, uh, total extinction or something like that. So, like... In times when Peter Dinklage is being like, 
oh my god, we've awoken the hive. Uh, Nolan North is like, oh, we awoken the hive. You know, <laughs> like. It, Gosh darn. So, Keith, like, I'm going to take this a step away from, like, the read. Like, I agree it's different. I personally don't care, but I totally get why people care. Yeah. But the thing that's that I don't think is getting enough play, um, I guarantee you the cost of Nolan North is honestly probably one one hundredth of Peter Dinklage. Absolutely. So if you if you start to do the math out, my my belief is that you know you start a game, you want a big name, you're gonna go and you're gonna get the biggest names. You're gonna I guarantee you Paul McCartney's not making more music for it. Why? Because <laughs> now we're going. We found out that that Bungie's a ma- or sorry that. Bungie has a massive hit on its hands. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to make more and more content. Mm-hmm. So they need to be able to spec that out at a price that makes sense. And somebody presented, uh, you know, uh, Peter Dinklage's agent. Here's what we need Peter Dinklage to do. The agent responded with a contract and some producer at Bungie shit themselves yeah. and went, we, we can't do this. And I don't think it was anything else. I literally think it was as simple as that. And, y- you know, that's, that that is what it is, and it. But I think knowing that, does that taint the story of destiny when you bring that really corporate, like structure type thinking into it? Being like, oh, I'm taken out of the experience because I know it used to be Dinklebot, but now it's Null Android, and that's because money. And I'm playing a machine that takes my free time and turns it into money for Bungie. I'm I'm very aware that that's what it is. Uh, I'm super cool with it, but yeah, some people might be bummed out by that for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's fine. Mm. At the end of the day, I'm gonna be over it. I'm glad I've had this experience with uh, Peter Dinklage because I think it's funny, and he has some pretty terrible line reads. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I literally have 15 minutes with. Uh, Nolan Android, Android versus the 1,500 hours I have with Peter Dinklage. That's an excessive amount, but that's not true. It's more like 100, 250. I'm not loving Nolan Android as a word. All right. Well, you, I, I know. It's kind of a stretch. Um, Side north. North bot. We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Uh, But yeah, I mean, there's a ton of changes coming to Destiny. That's just one of the first few. There's a lot more coming in a week, which Ryan and I are excited for. But man, can we ramble on a lot of topics. That's true. Uh, Kevin, I know you wanted to have a bit of a a nerdy music corner this week. Uh, I've been listening to two things uh, in in the last two weeks, like very, very steadily. Um, well, number one, I've been listening to uh, Random, a.k.a. Mega Ran, who is a rapper who uh, writes music both about himself and about the world of Mega Man, uh, oftentimes taking on the persona of, of Mega Man. And he brings in other rappers. He has like maybe five different albums that correspond to different Mega Man games. And he's really great and really hardworking. If I go to his website... Do I get to choose between a list of bosses to fight first? And those are those are different songs. I really hope that's the case. Unfortunately, his his uh, his site is so lean; it's just a redirect to Bandcamp. So. Damn it! Damn it! I will <laughs> make it, this uh... for free. Um, but like, he's such a cool guy. Uh, for a while, he uh, was independent, and then he had to go back to teaching and doing rap. 
uh, and now he's back on, uh, and now he's back being independent and touring and stuff. But like, he writes raps about uh, the troubles of, of, of teaching. He wrote a rap about the difference between there, there, and there, uh, which is one really catchy, and it uses an earthworm gym beat. <laughs> uh, and it, it, he's just he's fantastic um, and, and I love all his stuff and recently it was his birthday and he's like all my music is free on my birthday go download it wow but you guys missed that so you're just gonna have to give him lots of money uh, I can maybe uh, I can give him a few pesos all, all his stuff is like you can play it on his site for, for free because it's Bandcamp and Bandcamp's awesome um, but I think his stuff's great and really catchy and, and wonderful um and I don't think I've brought him up before on this podcast, but if I even if I have, like I just love Mega Rand so much. Uh, the other thing that happened uh, today is that Final Fantasy IX got a four-disc remix album made out of its soundtrack uh, by Overclocked Remix. So there is like I think maybe four or five hours of remixed Final Fantasy IX music that has been like quality tested. And peer reviewed. That is now available. How the fuck does that exist? (laughs) That is that is like um that is an opus of work, man. That is crazy. Yeah. Well, they do that stuff all the time. They did a Mega Man Overclock Remix. Did a Mega Man uh, album a while ago. I think just Mega Man X. And it was like, how many songs are in Mega Man X? A lot, dude. (laughs) Uh, I'm rusty on it, but I just when I hear Final Fantasy, I, I think. There's just hundreds of tracks. Is 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 what I'm expecting. That there's just so much music you're gonna have to remix, and that that would take so much time. This one's just Final Fantasy Nine, though. So it's not the complete breadth of Final Fantasy. It's just nine. And so it's only a hundred hours of gameplay. No, nine. nine's only six thousand. No, nine. I, I've never played nine actually. I'm nine, talking on my S. Nine's probably forty, but I don't know. I, I'm a bad. I'm a bad like judge of. Of, uh, I'm, I'm bad at like um, what is it called ballparking shit I'm really bad at ballparking shit um, but like I think they double dip a few times but it's it's uh, it's all remixes so it's kind of hard to tell um, I started listening to it it's so good it's it's the best like background working on stuff music I think I've heard in a while really yeah and it's all free like it's completely free so like if you want like four discs of good like Put your head down and work music, like uh, the Final Fantasy IX remix album by Overclocked Remix is the way to go. And those are my music plugs for this podcast. I'll I'll have to check this out. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out as well. Really good. This I love listening to video game music when I'm working. Mm, me too. And I'm reminded of uh, I wrote a movie Ooh. like four years ago and. The entire time that I wrote the movie, I listened to the Metal Gear Solid 4 soundtrack on loop. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are very similar. <laughs> oh. So yeah, that happened. That's my plug. Uh, music and Metal Gear. Great. So I just don't shut up about Metal Gear today. I have one more plug. And it's, Go for it. Uh, this guy called Carbohydro M. And he's a guitarist who does like these shredding guitar covers of different video game songs. He does like the Kingdom Hearts song. Uh, he does a few Mega Man tracks, but one of his best is just a uh, guitar, a shredding guitar ballad to the Metal Gear Solid soundtrack. And it's like only two and a half minutes long and it does the Metal Gear Solid theme with like 
You know that part of the Metal Gear Solid theme that's like wailing guitar? It's like just wailing guitar all the way through. It's so good. So into it. Yep. Carbo Hydro M is his is his handle. And Can he, I just say that Carbohydro M to me sounds like a carbo loaded overweight Samus Iran. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, a, is it Iran or Iran? Um I, officially. I said Aaron because it's easy. Alright, so it's Aaron. I feel like it's Aaron because we know it's Samus. So eh mm. and then eh eh. Samus, yeah. Samus so, Aaron. If 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 uh, Carbohydro M wants to use that as a logo, you know, I I, I remove all ownership I have. Uh, you know, just don't Google Fat Samus because you're not gonna like what <laughs> what you find on Google. I promise. I, I promise to never Google that. There's gonna, there's gonna be a lot Samus, a lot of Fat Samus porn. Is all I'm saying. Oh man. <laughs> all right. I uh, unfortunately I need to. We've talked so much and we yeah. got to like half of what we wanted to talk about that's fair but i'm gonna cut it somewhat short i know we have a final thing you want to get to kevin if we have time uh, but i have a final a fantasy football draft that i'm actually commissioner for and oh, i have damn. to set the keepers hold and on it's an hour. am i supposed to do this no you well yeah the draft's <laughs> in an hour but if you don't show up you don't show up um uh yeah my brother's in it as well it's a family league but kevin i know you have a question a topic you wanted to end on okay so i was watching um game grumps which is a let's play channel yep and they were doing uh, a playthrough of sonic boom which is one of the worst sonic games and the, the most recent sonic game and it's so glitchy and weird and there's this part there's this trick that they use throughout the the series where uh knuckles if you jump and then double jump and then hit pause and then unpause you can jump again and you can just infinitely jump using this pause (laughs) trick and it's great they skip a whole bunch of like levels they go into parts of the game they're not supposed to be in and like stuff glitches out and the the floor disappears or or the characters behave strangely and stuff like that and it, it got me thinking uh about just glitches in games and it's like what what are some of your favorite game glitches like what were some of the best times when you've seen a game just wig out and break you completely made up that this is called sonic boom that cannot be the name no it's called sonic boom it's no it's way the name, Ryan. Move on. It's the name. It's it's the name of the cartoon based off of Sonic Boom as well. Oh yeah, Sonic oh, yes. Boom. So wow. So glitches and games, uh, Keith. What what? Give me a give me a fave. Can you um, pick one? So glitches and games. I I always I just am so fascinated by the way people try to break games mm. and like get out of like the world that you're not supposed to get out of. Um, I and I don't know if this even counts, but I was obsessed with that in Halo too. Like I was never able to find anything of myself, but for I would spend hours like trying to. Um, mimic what i what i like read about online and basically how you get the scarab gun in that game is basically you're glitching the game out yeah like (laughs) just anything like that like they had a level i think it was called foundry but i could be totally wrong where Mm -hmm. you could use the um the energy sword to get on top of it and like outside of like the 
the level itself. I don't know. I can't think of any specific like glitch while I'm playing mm. that happened just out of nowhere. It's more just like anything that I've tried to do to get somewhere in a game that I'm not supposed to get to. I just yeah. love that experience. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. So, I think that um, I'm not, I'm not that into glitching, real myself. However, I love watching the glitching videos on yes. YouTube. Yes. Love it. So my favorite that I've watched was the any percentage beaten run through in like 15 minutes of Ocarina of Time. Yes, where, yes, yes. They're like, they're like, if you put a deco stick here, you fall through the planet and you're at the boss. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, how did somebody figure this no, out? And I love when you watch it and it's like, oh, I didn't get it that time. Oh, I didn't get to that time. Oh, I got it. Yes. And they like scream and you have no idea what just happened. Or I remember yeah. reading about the deco stick trick where you hit like the side of a wall with your stick and then fall off yeah. and you have half a stick. Oh, that reminds me of a glitch Probably my real favorite glitch is turning a Deku nut into a fucking bottle. Yes. Oh, oh my god, yeah. Oh, Keith. Yeah, I love that. Wow, Ocarina of Time. What a great game. Yep. The the other favorite thing I have was Keith, do you recall when we got a game genie for Nintendo sixty four? Was it not uh, a game shark? I thought it was a game, game shark. shark by then. Yes. Okay, so let's call it a let's say it's a game shark. Your memory is better than mine. But what I recall is we had Fighting Force 64, yep. and my first experience, looking back on it, this is my first experience with, it's not coding, but getting me interested in coding, mm. right, was that you could do this system where it would run through the lines of code. I think this is what was happening. I don't recall, but basically, you could run a system that was checking the lines of code that were being run, and it would show you what what had altered. So you could do a thing where it was like, if you got hurt, you could go into a menu and you could sort of trigger that that basically you had just been hurt or something had just occurred and it would show you the lines of code that had just run and you could try altering them. Dude. And so if 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 it, if you saw that something went from like 66 to 64 and it turns out that's the amount of bullets you had, you could change that number to like 6000. 6, oh yeah. And all of a sudden you'd have 6000 bullets. And for for a quick minute there, I I was amazed by that, and I think it was because, and this may be a lot of what the glitching is about. It's it's a vantage point into the fact that it's all code, right? Right. Like this is constructed so you can break it. And even though I don't do that in when I usually am playing games, the I totally get why it's captivating, and I love watching people do it. Yeah, it's sort of like. Um... Um, when you get to peek behind stage at, at like a theater or something like that, or like, uh, or like talking to musicians backstage, like before their set or after their set, like it's a peek into the world of games that uh, is is kind of secretive and cool, and it's because something went wrong that makes it sort of naughty but very fun. Um, I'd say my favorite glitch is from the original Pokemon games, uh, missing now. So, so uh, in Pokemon, you can glitch the game in such a way that you cause a hidden Pokemon to appear, whose name is missing now. Uh, his types include water and bird, I believe. Bird is not a type in, in the Pokemon <laughs> franchise. It was either cut 
or something. But I love that glitch because for a while it was a it was an urban legend on you know on the schoolyard, and then the, like the first time you do it, you're like, a game is something magic. Like there is more to a game than what the developers intended for you to see. It's like uh, it's like when they revealed that Mew had been in the game all along, which not even Nintendo knew that there was another Pokemon in the game called Mew. Like the the secrecy of of the first Pokemon game and it and its tiny staff and its many like different corners that it could hide stuff in. That was like such an insight into games for me. And I think like you said with the game genie and the game shark, that's when I first kind of started thinking about a game is something that a group of wizards make and I want to be a wizard. Wow. Yeah. So that kind of shaped your life in a way. Absolutely. Like it definitely must have had an impact on what you're doing now. I mean, you could say that of a lot of things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but we're talking about this. I mean, maybe if I had like found a job uh, out of college that I, really, that I really liked, that would have changed things for me. Or maybe it wouldn't have. Maybe I still would have gone off maybe and Maybe you wouldn't thing. be sitting here podcasting with uh, Rybot. It's impossible to predict. I am Rybot. Rybot. I am Rybot. But I think that's going to wrap up the time we have with Rybot today. That's fair. Uh, You know, you can follow us on social media at Game Time Bro. Mm -hmm. Kev, is there anything for them to look up for your Kickstarter yet? Nothing. Any idea when it's going to start? Nothing yet. Um, I'm hoping in the next week or two uh, I will be able to launch my next Kickstarter. Um, but I'm not going to reveal a date because when I reveal dates, I'm wrong. Um, but it's going to come up soon. If you want to follow me and know what I'm about, go to twitter.com slash users slash real Kevin Cole, or maybe it's just twitter.com slash real Kevin Cole. Either way, I'm on Twitter and my name is real Kevin Cole. Wow. How about you, Ryan? Check out, uh, my company. And our app, Moment, it's M-O-M-U-N-T dot com. I uh, get all the info there. We got big things coming. So maybe I'll come back when we have our big new announcement. If you let me, Keith. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think that that's going to do it. So yep. you guys can go bro off. Fellas, what time is it? Somebody bring me a mirror.